Greetings, greetings, and welcome to another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast. I am your host, your double E, Ina Esco, and happy holidays. It is December 27th, 2022. We're getting ready for a new year. And you know, Verbally Effective is all about the movers and shakers in the city of Memphis, in the intersections of art, culture, politics, and entertainment. So... Let me say this before we get started. I need you guys to hit subscribe on all streaming platforms to the Verbally Effective Podcast. Follow and add that Ina Esco YouTube channel as well. And check it out. Today is very special because I don't usually do part twos with my guests. But this young man has, you know, a wonderful platform. And I wanted him to come and talk to me about his new endeavor. We had him on episode 218. He is the CEO of the Downtown Memphis Commission. He is running for mayor of Memphis. He didn't tell us that on episode 218. <laughs> but we got my boy Paul Young in the building yes, with me yes, today. Yes. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back. Good Glad to, to see you back. again. Sorry I didn't give you the announcement at that time. Um, it was I was still working on it when but. you announced I was like I knew it I knew it <laughs> yeah, yeah and here we are building. today yeah I'm excited I feel really good it's it's been a, a long three months but yes um you know the reception has been great and we're really about to start the new year we're off with a bang off um, with I'm, a bang I'm feeling really good about the yeah. path forward well good well good you know a lot has changed um since you were sitting in this very seat um you know I know you recently lost your father, mm-hmm. and uh, I just want to give you my condolences. No, How was you. Christmas this year? It was different. It was definitely different, uh, but, you know, all of our spirits are up. You know, my dad lived a, a long life. He was 77. Uh, he did a lot for this community, and, you know, what I want to make sure I'm doing is carrying out the legacy, mm-hmm. and that has actually been my inspiration over the last couple of months is, you know, one of the last things he told me was go get it done. Okay, so, so that's yeah. what we're gonna do. We're gonna yeah. get it done. Yeah, I remember you talking about your dad yeah. on the last podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know if it was you or someone else had asked me about you know my inspirations and who were my role models, and obviously he would be uh, at the top of the list. And so, you know, me and my sister and brother, like, we our yeah. goal is to make sure that we honor that legacy. Yes, and indeed. Keep doing the work. Indeed, you're gonna be carrying this young name. Yeah, we're honey. gonna carry the name. <laughs> we're gonna carry the name. And lift right. up my mom. Yes, you, yeah. yes, she needs it. Yeah, we we, we tried to make sure we showed her love during the holidays, and she's doing well. So Good. we're all we're all committed to keeping this work going. Okay, that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. Now, you know, Paul Young then put his name in the hat for mayor of Memphis, and when you announced, I kind of had the feeling already. I think a little birdie had told me mm-hmm, anyway, sure, but yeah. I wanted you to tell me. Um, but you know, I, I've over the last three months, I've seen you out and about. You know, being mayor of Memphis is a huge it's a big deal. role, um, very intense. You know, we're the city of grit and grind, Memphis. Uh, we're a medium-sized market. Um, you know, our makeup is, you know, I guess about 65 70% African-Americans. Yep. Yep. Um, a lot of politics go on, yeah. especially in this mayor role. I was like, my boy, Paul jumping in. Yeah, yeah. well, I always say Memphis has never had a mayor like me. Okay. Um, and <clears throat> I say that with all due respect to all the previous mayors, but mm-hmm. I'm a city planner. And so you I literally went to school to figure the- out how do you build a great city. And You're that's right. what I've been doing for the last 20 years. Yeah. And so the level of experience I bring is 
at a level where I believe I'm the best candidate. And I bring what Memphis needs right now. Memphis needs someone who represents the future of our city. Uh, I always uh, liken it to that J. Cole song, Middle Child. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Middle Child, he says, I'm big bro and little bro all at once. Um, So I've learned from my older brothers and sisters. They've poured into me, folks like Archie Willis and the the older generation that has held us down for so long. The younger generation, you know, those up and coming 20 and 30 somethings. I still connect to them. I still feel their struggle. And so I'm that middle child and I'm in the position right now where I've built the credibility. I've built up the skills and now I'm ready to take those skills to lead Memphis. Definitely. Now, you know, just thinking about our last podcast, uh, you talked about some of the projects that you work on Mm -hmm. um, as the CEO of the Downtown Commission. Um, You definitely have the foresight of what is coming down the pipeline, the the companies, the investors involved. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important for a role such as this, because we got quite a few people that are running against you and it's only the end of December. Yeah. We hadn't even hit 2023 (laughs) yet. So, um, you know, there will continue to be people that put their name in the hat. They all want to test it and see how their name resonates. And I get it. Uh, I believe that uh, as we get deeper into the process that, you know, some people will, change their mind and decide that they're going to serve in a different way. Uh, My goal is to make sure that Paul Young is there at the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're out fundraising, we're out building name recognition, and we're going to do the work. What I always say is nobody's going to outwork me. So, um, you know, it can be all the names in the world, but nobody's going to work harder than Paul Young. And so my goal is to demonstrate you know, what I bring to the table. I don't come at this as someone who is a lifelong politician. I've never been the politician, Mm -hmm. but I've always been the doer. Mm -hmm. I've been the person that has presented policy and enacted policy. Uh, And so I've done it on all sides. And so I think Memphis needs a leader that has that understanding, but also has a heart for the people. Mm -hmm. Like my why is all about purpose Mm -hmm. and making sure that my life contributes to somebody else's life being better. Uh, and so making decisions in that way, and that's my lens, that's the framework that I come from, and I think it's going to resonate with men fans. Mm-hmm. So this race is the first one that's nonpartisan, correct? Non-incumbent. Non-incumbent. Um, so we, we've always had nonpartisan. well, in recent years, we've always had nonpartisan okay. city elections. Okay. Um, this is the first time we don't have an incumbent running in 51 years. Okay, because uh, of term. Because of term limits. So okay. term limits, I think they came in 2009 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since that time, um, we had AC, uh, but he ended up losing in his incumbent election. Strickland won his his second term, but he's the first mayor that's ever faced term limits to where right. he right. knows that the end of the road is at the end of 2023. How is your relationship with Strickland? It's great. I mean, I have a good relationship with Strickland, all of our previous mayors. Um, you know, my goal is to make sure that we maintain relationships across the board. In order to get things done as mayor, you have to lead all the people. Uh, that means you got to lead East Memphis, you got to lead South Memphis, you got to be able to work with the state, uh, and you need somebody who has relationships on all sides. Yeah, definitely. So let's get into it. Let's, let's talk about infrastructure okay. in Memphis because one would say we kind of behind times, and I know. 
you know, in your current role, you've mm-hmm. been planning and working towards yeah. towards that piece. But very recently, uh, MLGW has had some issues. Um, I think people have a love-hate relationship right. with MLGW. Um, right. I, I don't get any of their services, but I have plenty of friends that power goes out all the time. Anytime right. we have a huge storm, things of that nature, I saw that they uh, did not re- renew the 20-year contract with mm-hmm. TVA. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so infrastructure is one of those things, particularly utility infrastructure, is one of those things that we think about once or twice a year. Yeah. When we have weather events like what we had over the past uh, weekend, and you know we had it in February, everybody's hot on it and saying, we need to replace this infrastructure. This makes no sense. They've been saying it. They've been saying it. Um, and so it feels like we don't talk about it, but we only talk about it periodically, and then it goes away or falls to the back. What we have to do is make a firm decision that we're going to upgrade the infrastructure and identify a plan to pay for it. I mean, that's what it comes down to. We have to say as a city that this is important enough for us to prioritize it at the top of the list. Uh, And I firmly believe that our infrastructure is really key because if we invest in that infrastructure, we're creating jobs, but we're also making sure that more people are safe and sound. What do I mean by that? I mean, there are people that actually die as a result of the power being out. True. Uh, And so if we can prevent that as a city, we should. Yeah. I believe um, the CEO, Doug McGowan, which Mm -hmm. recently resigned, correct? No, 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 no. Doug just. Or he just got. He on. just got got installed as what the president. Who was the person before him? Oh, JT Young. He, JT, JT had just got there. Now he had been there, I think, three years. That's not three long. Three or so. It wasn't a long time. Nah, but he was from out of town, and okay. I think he moved back to Florida to yeah. be with the fam. Yeah. So, so I, mean, Doug, I get it. We got D- Doug. Doug is the guy. Right <laughs> we now. got Doug. Yeah. Um, well, they've said that they've addressed twenty-two water main breaks uh, that have been causing low water, causing people to boil water. Blah blah blah. They fixed about nineteen. So it has made national news. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mentioned TVA. If we do not renew, I, I believe we have until 2028, what is our other option? Do we look at other sources of energy, such as uh, renewable sources versus nuclear energy? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we, well, TVA provides all those different types. I think they the, probably, they, they, they if have. If we don't go with TVA, is there another option? There are other options. There are other groups that have uh, submitted proposals. What? actually happened is MLGW said they're not going to sign that agreement with TVA. So the they didn't rule agreement. yeah, they didn't they didn't rule TVA out. They said we're going to do a roll in five. <laughs> right. They they're going to engage with them in a different way. Uh something that doesn't lock us down for the same level of That's time. That's a long time. 20 year contracts. Yeah. That's what we've been doing in Memphis. That's what TVA has been doing across their service territory. So that's what they've offered. That, that's what they have offered all okay. of their uh, municipalities that they enter into agreements with. Um, I don't know what the long-term fix will be there. Uh, I know there are a lot of discussions taking place with TVA and MLGW. I do believe they'll work something out uh, eventually. Uh, but what MLGW said is that this 20-year agreement with a 20-year notice to get out of the agreement doesn't work for us, right. so give us something different. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see what they come back with. But what would, what would your involvement be? In, in, in these MLGW talks? So MLGW is a, I don't want to say subsidiary of the city, but they're an affiliate entity of the city. The mayor actually appoints uh, the president and they're approved by city council. All of the budget 
uh, that MLGW submit is approved by city council. And so we would certainly have a voice in that agreement. Uh, we would have a voice, uh, but it would be the board's decision, the okay. MLGW board at the end of the day. Okay. Yeah. Because. And I would know. make my voice known. I mean, my, okay. my goal is to make sure that we get clean. That means the renewable energy, clean, low cost power to our people. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. Whether it's through TVA, some other entity, whoever's providing it, I want to make sure that our people are paying the lowest rate possible and that we are thinking about how are we lowering their bills. Oftentimes we think about how much the power costs, but what about energy efficiency? This is something that we don't talk about enough. The reason that many of our families are paying so much in utilities is because they're living in homes that are inefficient. It means that when you turn the air on, it can't blow enough air because the air is going out all the the holes and cracks in the in the windows and in this attics and all these different spaces. And so if we can find ways to fund energy efficiency improvements in our homes, then we're going to be lowering utilities. And our our utility provider, our power provider can be a partner in that, whether that's TVA or whoever else comes to the table. Mm. Okay. Okay. And so as mayor, those are the types of things that I'm going to be thinking about yeah. is what can we do for the people? Yeah. Cause, cause baby, they, they complaining about those high bills. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel $800 bills. I feel them. I, I had my own bills that, that are, are far higher than I would like them to be. And some of yeah. it is just a function of where we are in the world. And so yeah. the world is in a tough place. So we get that. But if there are things that we can do locally to ease the burden on families that can't afford to have a $500 jump in their utility bill, then we should be doing it. And it makes me wonder um, what another medium-sized city, you know, how are they doing things differently than us? Yeah, well, another thing that we have to keep in mind here is that we have a lot of other fees that are on our utility bill that we don't think about. Like there's a, a fire fee, there's a water fee, there's a street light fee. There's all these fees that are municipal fees that MLGW is collecting for the city. Uh, And so while it may say that your bill is $400, like $70 goes to the city of Memphis for stuff that's not utilities. Did not know that. Yeah, see, you know, those little nuggets. I don't don't know if we can cut cut it out. I don't know if we can cut it out, but I think we need to be very clear. Mm-hmm. about that fact that there are some different things that are included that can make on the your difference bill. of making or breaking someone it can but those are also things that need to be paid for as well so i don't know if we cut them out but we can be much more clear about how we identify that those things are included gotcha uh still sticking with infrastructure i recently did a podcast with uh Grammy-nominated Marco Pave. He's a Memphis hip-hop artist. You yeah, know Marco? Yeah, yeah, I know who he is. I have never met him. I'd love to meet him, though. Okay, so as we were chatting, um, he's currently doing a residency at Georgetown in D.C. Nice. And um, I asked him, do you miss home? Do you miss Memphis? He was like, I do. But living out in D.C., I can see the differences, um, like, in our transit system. He was like, in D.C., you can get anywhere mm-hmm. at any time using anything. You really don't need a car. We we don't think about that living in Memphis. Right. Because that is just not set up here. Is that a part yeah, of definitely. our future infrastructure? It has to be. It has okay. to be. Transit Anytime is soon? so important. I mean, I, it's not a five-year play. 
Okay. I mean, I think it's more of a 10, 15 year play in terms of improving transit to the level that we need it to be. Um, I'm not sure when we'll actually get to light rail, which is you know what they have in D.C. and New York and those northeastern cities. And the reason is because our density is low. And what I mean by that is if you think about D.C., there are literally thousands of people that live along this intersection and this stop. We don't have that level of density. And so it's not the same number of people that are moving in different directions. And so we have to be smart about how we grow and expand our transit network. What I believe is that we should be investing in bus rapid transit. These are these buses where it's it's an electric bus and it goes on a fixed route, but they are sleeker, they're cooler, they're faster. There's even technology built into the buses so that as the bus goes to this light, they change in the light. So if the bus is coming, the lights automatically turning green to accommodate this bus. So it's getting people to and from faster. We're actually working on a line. I say we, the collective we. Uh, Matt is working on a, a line that'll go down Union. It'll dogleg over to Poplar and then it'll turn around at University of Memphis and then come back uh, down towards downtown. And so it'll go through the core of the city. But we need more of those Uh, BRT lines all throughout our city. And I think that's going to be the lowest cost way for us to really step up transit in the short term. Yes, indeed. Um, Let's jump into crime. Um, The city has initiatives that deter criminal activity like blue light cameras, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. But what programs can you initiate year one that can help with criminal activity, you know, just to keep you know our our people on track yeah so so with crime first let me say that i feel the pain that everybody's feeling Mm -hmm. when i'm driving down the street and almost get mowed down by somebody darting in and out of traffic it makes me think about my 11 year old daughter and the fact that in five years she's gonna be driving on these streets and she's gonna have to navigate she's gonna have to stop and get gas somewhere Mm -hmm. and and i'm concerned about her stopping at the gas station and possibly getting robbed. Like those are real concerns that families are having every day. So I feel that pain. And so what I always tell people is, I think we have to have a dual approach. When it comes to crime, we gotta be non-tolerant on violent gun crime. Anybody that's doing it, we gotta get them off the streets ASAP. We must, I mean, they, they gotta go. And I hope they go into a criminal justice system that's focused on reform and they can change their lives. But my job as mayor, is get you off the streets, mm-hmm. ASAP. And we're going to do all we can to make that happen. The second side of the approach is we have to invest in our young people in a different way. What we are reaping are seeds that were not sowed. What do I mean by that? If 10 years ago we were investing in the lives of these young people, they might be making different decisions right now. But they're not. And it's not just a Memphis problem. This is a national problem. This is a national epidemic. The crime is outrageous everywhere. And so the question is, what are we going to do different? Because if we're just doing the hardcore arrest, lock them up, which I do believe in, we got to do it for those that are committing those crimes. But if we're not redirecting the path of the young people in our community, then all we have is a pipeline. Because once you remove the criminals on this side, then you just created a job opportunity. Right. Somebody's going to come fill that role unless 
they have another opportunity in mind unless we've shown them something else, unless we've invested in the programs that are making a difference in our community that have demonstrated results. I participated in a program called uh, My Brother's Keeper with uh, T.M. Harris, and we were at Havenview Middle School. It's just a quick story. This was in this past school year, um, and we started in the fall of 2021. At the end of 2022, at the end of that school year, we had a program, and the teacher stood up and said, Tim, I don't know what you did with these young people, but this is not the same kid that was in my class at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. He had a whole different mentality. He had 20 young men or who was deemed to be the baddest kids in the school. One of the young men stood up and said, you know, the reason I'm different is because Tim, Tim was consistent. Mm-hmm. He was there every week. All these other folk, they talk to us, but we don't never see them again. Tim was there every week. And Tim wasn't making a lot of money. Tim was just doing it out of the goodness of his heart. But just imagine if we were investing in ATM Harris in every school in our community. Imagine the difference that it'll make in the lives of those young people and the difference that it'll make in the crime that we're seeing. Because these are young folks that are breaking in windows. Very young. I mean, I, I'm... I'm the head of downtown Memphis Commission. I hear about all of the crime. We're, we're working to implement uh, different things. We're adding a whole uh, overnight shift, which we've never had on our Blue Suede Brigade. These are young people that are breaking in these cars, doing all this property crime. That's because they're bored and misdirected, and we got to redirect their paths. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the proactive approach, um, the story that you just mentioned. You know, since we've had the last podcast, uh, they were – doing the election for district attorney. So now mm-hmm. we do have Steve Mulroy. Yep, Steve is in. What's your assessment on how he's been doing since he's been in? I mean, it's early, so it's, it's hard to give an assessment, but he seems very proactive. Um, he's thoughtful, uh, and I'm rooting for him. I, I, I want him. His success is our success. True. Uh, and so I'm rooting for him. I want him to do well. Uh, our community needs it. Uh, our community, when you think about what it takes to govern in our community, it's not a one entity thing. Like it's the mayor not. does not directly control Memphis and Shelby County Schools, doesn't directly control, um, you know, the criminal justice system, doesn't control the DA's office, doesn't control the state laws. The mayor has to be able to influence all of those areas. The mayor has to be able to articulate a vision for all of those other areas to follow. That's my goal as mayor is to make sure that I'm the one. I'm the chief collaborator, the chief collaborator for our city. Mm-hmm. And you, you sound like you up for the job. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so focused right now. It's, <laughs> you, you it, seem laser focused. I'm really, focused really focused right now. I, I, I hadn't, I hadn't been this focused on anything in a very, very long time. But I, I really feel deep in my heart that this is where I need to be. This is where God is calling me. And mm. like I said, I'm just gonna do the work. Yes. Let's talk about race now. Let's talk about it. Now, <coughs> I had read this article on MLK 50. Um, you know, although Memphis is a racially diverse city, uh, it mentioned that, you know, Memphis is, ve- is still very segregated. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, it's nearly impossible to find a white person um, who lives in Westwood, Clowndike, the southern end of White Haven, nor is it easy to find a black person who lives in High Point Terrace or Central Gardens? And and that's per um, census data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and this leads to different effects right. um, when, when that is, you know, situated in those numbers. Um, how do you plan to address race in Memphis? <clears throat> Because when people hear of Memphis, yeah. it, it's always a stigma aligned. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously race is something that's always top of mind in Memphis. Regardless of who you're talking to, what the issue is, you can rest assured race is somewhere in the background. Um, oftentimes I hear people say we should talk about it more, but I think we talk about it quite a bit. I think we are short on solutions on how to bridge the gap. And I think a lot of times our racial issues um, play out because we're not having direct communication with each other. And um, I'm going to butcher this quote, but I was listening to John Hope Bryant speak, and he said something at the end of his speech that I thought was was so profound. He said, when you're you're talking about these challenging issues and tough issues, um, you should speak without being offensive, Listen without being defensive and always leave your opponent with their dignity. Mm. And I think when sometimes when we come into these conversations, it's so emotional and so fired up that we don't always have our communication in that way because it's so passionate. Uh, And I think we need to make sure that we're actually listening to each other. The other thing I'll say, uh, just speaking to those stats that you talked about um, in terms of, you know, who lives in what area. A lot of those patterns, they are the same as the patterns were, you know, 50, 60 years ago. So that's that's not a, it's not, it's not a new thing. I wouldn't say it's just a choice. Now there were things that were done, redlining and a lot of things that played into it. But what I will say is that when choices were made available, there are communities that are diverse, like Cordova, which was Cordova new, is the most diverse. It's the per most that diverse. Article. Yeah, it's it's the most diverse because we've done the same research. Um, it's the most diverse community, and so what you saw from a land use perspective, you know, this is the city planner in me. As new communities grew up outside of the core of the city, what you saw leave was not just white flight in Memphis. What you saw was economic flight. What you saw were anybody with means left. And if you didn't have means or you just had a deep heart for the community, you stayed. And what happened then was as those people with wealth left or money, then the businesses followed. And then you saw the growth of Hickory Hill. You saw the growth of Cordova. Um, you saw the growth of all these areas outside of the city. South Haven was a beneficiary. Olive Branch was a beneficiary. All of those communities are benefiting from, you know, that flight that was happening from the core of our city. And so what our our goal is now is to bring that wealth back to our neighborhoods. Let's bring that wealth back to our communities. Um, How do we ensure that we are making investments in a way in our neighborhood that it draws people black, back? Black, white, whatever, Hispanic, whatever your race is, we want you to see Whitehaven as a place to live and invest. We want you to see Smoky City as a place to live and invest. Mm -hmm. And so there are things that we can do from a city perspective where we're investing in the cores of these communities in a way that it attracts people and attracts businesses and attracts jobs and it brings opportunity to the folks that have been there. I always say I want people to that have been in these neighborhoods during the down years to be there during the up years. Mm-hmm. And so we have to figure out how do we invest without displacement. Yes, put a put a special uh 
flashlight on South Memphis for me because oh, yeah. yep, when, when I go and uh, work with the students at my alma mater, Lamorno in College, that neighborhood looks the same. It does, like yeah. the outer perimeter of it. You you may see stacks right there. You see the beautiful lawns at Lemoyne, but out around it, the the perimeter, it still just looks reeks of poverty. It does, it does. And and in order for it to look different, we have to invest in a different way. Um, we have to find resources for those neighborhood scale developers that, who can do one or two properties at a time. Uh, I'm on the board of Lemoyne, and so I'm in that community very often. Uh, and as, when I was housing director, we worked on uh, a plan to expand broadband in that area and use that as a catalyst to get more businesses to go along Macklemore. Um, but it's all going to come down to resources. It's all going to come down to resources and the ability to execute. And unfortunately, we're at a really tough time right now in our economy it makes it mm, difficult for um, developers, particularly those developers that hadn't don't have a long track record of of developing and so we have to be creative during this time period so that our neighborhoods don't get stuck very creative yeah very creative because you know with the stock market and uh i, I don't want to say the crash of crypto and it, it's a lot of stuff going yeah, on there, i mean there's there's the war in ukraine i mean there's just it's so much stuff and trying to tamper inflation so they're you know increasing the interest rates all of those things have a a neighborhood scale impact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've been living in the neighborhood, all you want to know is why won't this happen? Right. Uh, and so as mayor, my goal is to not get caught up in all of those macro issues. Let's just find a way to execute on the ground. Are you going to have like an open door policy? What does that mean? Like um, if, 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 if a resident wants to come oh and yeah. talk to you, yeah, I mean, you're fully available to the public. We're going to be fully available. I mean, obviously we're going to have to, manage that <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to manage that i mean you can't just walk up and, we're gonna have Ricky Bobby and stop from what you're doing business. yeah i mean because it's just it's just hard to manage if you don't yeah. have some controls on it but yeah my goal is always to make sure that i'm open and accessible to the public i'm yeah. i'm never afraid of any conversation any confrontational yeah. You've always been dialogue. very personable like, it, it is what it, people just want to be heard and they yeah. want you to solve their problems yeah. folks are tired of not getting results they want to see results. And I always say, people don't get mad at you for the decision you make. They get mad because they don't understand how you're making a decision. Explain it. Talk about the why. Did you hear what I said as a community leader? Like, if you, my goal is to make sure you know I heard you. I took this into consideration. I still made a different decision, but I want you to know I heard you. And if you can explain that articulately to people, then they will accept it. They may not like it, but they respect it. Cause you look them in the eyes and tell them why, how you, how you made that decision. Has anything stressed you out since you've put your hat oh, in? Oh man. Anything, anything in particular? I mean, not, I mean, it's, it's just, I, I would say the stress is just trying to be on point at all times and just making sure that I'm covering the basis and touching as many people as possible. Um, Sometimes, you know, in this in this space, you have people that say, well, you should have called me. You should have called me. And I was like, well, I'm trying to call everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, just organizing communication. Uh, but all of those those things are starting to fall into place uh, the more I get into the rhythm mm-hmm. of the campaign. Yes. And like, as you mentioned, it's still very early on. Very, very early. We have until I think July 20th. July 20th. Uh, for people to, to file. So. July 20th, uh, most recently, we've had a new contender jump in the race, J.W. Gibson II. Um, Along with him, 
if Sheriff Floyd Bonner Jr., Judge Joe Brown, <laughs> State Rep. Karen Camper, Michelle McKissick, and mm-hmm. Van Turner, mm-hmm. what would you say to the Memphians out here about how you stand out? As the black candidate, because as you can see, it's getting yeah. very crowded. And they still have until July. How yeah. do you stand out in this crowded field? I would say results. Ask all of us the tough questions. Mm-hmm. Ask us the how. We're going to all give you a broad vision of where we want to take this community and, and what we want to see happen. Dig into our how. And then also ask us, what in your background, what results have you shown? Like, what have you done in your existing jobs? What have you done in your previous jobs? Show us the results that demonstrate that you're going to be able to do anything that you've told us you're going to do for us as a city. Mm-hmm. Ask me those questions. Ask them those questions. And I put my credentials up against any of them. I would, too. I, I mean, I do. I put my credentials up against any of them. Uh, they're all good people. I know them all. Um, and some of them are serving in existing positions. Some of them have served in the past, and they'll continue to be good public servants for our community regardless of of what shakes out on the race. But my goal is to stay laser-focused, on not on them, but on the people. Okay. Well, Paul Young, repeat after me. All right. And Uh I need you to say it with your Uh gut. Uh Uh-oh. Okay? All right. Hey, man, say, man. Hey, man, say, man. <laughs> there, one more time, Paul. Hey, man, say, man. Hey, man, say, man. <laughs> I mean, that's natural for me because I, I, I talk like that in my off time. Look, so. this is a moment of transparency okay, between right. you and I. All right, uh-oh. Um, often in politics, uh, when we're dealing with money and decisions, mm-hmm. there are gatekeepers. Right. Uh, Memphis is known to have people here with a lot of old money that yep. call the shots, you know. When new people step in, mm-hmm. they may pull you on your coattail. Like, look, right. this is what we going to do. Right. How do you plan to combat the gatekeepers in Memphis? Because they're not going away. No, I mean, I, I I work with who would be the quote-unquote gatekeepers. I've, in the past, I've worked with them. So I, I know who, who we're referring to when we say those names. But my goal is to make sure that every decision I make is people first. Mm-hmm. Uh, people first. If it's good for the people of the city, then we'll do it. Uh, and... Even on the fundraising side, what I make sure people know is that when they invest in the Paul Young campaign, what they're investing in is good governance. Mm -hmm. What they're investing in is the future of our city. It's not an investment in whatever decision you want. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets that. Nobody gets that. I mean, sometimes it may be the decision that you want. Sometimes I'm going to make the decision you might not have made. Mm -hmm. And that's for anybody. Like, There's no way I can make every decision that aligns with every person in Memphis consensus. You you never get unanimous consent, Mm -hmm. but if you have a basis for your decision-making and you stick to it and you're consistent, then people respect it. And so my position is people first. Mm -hmm. People first, people first. Gotcha. Because you know, like I said, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to the gatekeepers, Mm -hmm. often people, have to make some adjustments to play the game. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I had a, I had a good conversation with uh, one of my mentors. I mentioned him earlier, Archie Willis, and one of the things he told me was, Paul, if you run, I want to make sure that you're willing to make the decisions, even if it means you would have to be a one-term mayor. Mm. You need to make the decisions that are going to push Memphis 
further. I like that. That's sacrifice you, right there. Who's going to actually elevate the game for African Americans in our city? Mm-hmm. We've had African American mayors before. Mm-hmm. Has has the game truly changed? No. Has the business sector, black businesses in our community, have they truly been able to really get over the hump? That's what he was saying to me. Mm-hmm. And my goal is, what I told him is, yes, I'm willing to make the decisions that are going to advance people in this community. And because I'm supporting black businesses doesn't mean that we don't support white businesses. In fact, what I believe is that when we elevate 65% of the population, then the other 30% coming with us. We all win. Uh, so everybody wins. And so those are the types of decisions that I'm, I'm poised and ready to make. Do you feel that you're the front runner right now? I do. All right. I do. <laughs> I do. All right. I mean, stats, stats will say that, you know, somebody with a greater name recognition is, you know, the most likely candidate to win. But let's talk. Let's, okay. let's, I feel like if you line us up and you ask us 10 questions with no script, it's going to be unquestionable who's the best candidate to, to lead Memphis. Okay. Uh, this is what I want to know from you, Paul. Um because we all know that the Gen Zers out there, um, I'm sorry, not, yeah, Gen, yeah, Gen Z, Z, Gen Zers, millennials, millennials, um, they're not too inclined to vote. Mm-hmm. How are you going to change that? How can you appeal to that demo? They have to believe in you. They, th- that generation is not one that's just going to take you at face value. No. They want to see it. Uh, one of them texted me, they were helping on the campaign, and I didn't take a picture or something, and they sent me a quote that said, uh, if there's no picture, did it really happen? And they mean that. <laughs> and she meant it. I was like, man, <laughs> y'all on me. But that's the that's the way they think. Mm-hmm. There's like, you got to show it. Show mm-hmm. us. That's the generation that they are. You got to show them, and I'm going to show them. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to make sure I'm listening to them, that I'm hearing them. And my goal is for them to be excited. I don't want them to vote for me just because ah, we'll settle for this guy. I want them to feel like, all right, we got our guy. We got the person that really has the ability to lead us higher, higher than we've ever been. And my goal is to to earn their vote. I'm going to earn everybody's vote. That's my goal. Uh, the, the older generation, they're the ones that consistently vote. I got to earn their vote. You got to. With the with the Gen Z and millennials, those could be new voters to add to the pool. Uh, in Memphis, we've averaged around 100,000 votes every mayor, city mayor's election. And so if you can add people to that 100,000, then you're increasing your odds of winning. And so that's my goal. Okay. So we're um, end of December right now. You mentioned that the race will heat up top of the year. Mm-hmm. How will that change your campaign? What, what will you do differently? Um, I think you'll you'll uh, we'll start knocking on doors in the spring. So you'll see me in neighborhoods. Um, you'll continue to see. I mean, I think we've been very present on social media um, and we're going to continue that. Um, I think you'll start to see ads and things of that nature um, at some point. Uh, but my goal is to stay focused on my message, what I need to do. Uh, to make sure that I get the word out to people. I want to make sure that we're touching as many Memphians as possible because I have the confidence and the belief that once I can get in front of them, once I can uh, get an opportunity for them to hear my message, that we have a new voter. All right. Well, 
Paul Young, if I could vote for you, I would, but I live in DeSoto <laughs> County. It's all right. It's all right. You're in the um, region. We got we to play well with all of our regional partners. We too. do. We, we do. But, you know, I put Memphis on my back, and um, I, I have guests here that represent Memphis to the fullest, and I can say that you do, and you do it very well. Thank you. And like you mentioned, your background, um, everything that you've been involved in, I really feel like it's coming to a head with this particular role. Yeah. And that, I really that, that's what I tell people. I actually say that. I say, I've been training my whole life for this. You job. really have. Like everything it's, it's, that I've done has lined yeah. me up for this role. And so now I just, ha- we just have a long interview process. Yeah. We just, all of those folks, they're cool. We're just applying for the same job. Yeah. And that's I why I say I stay focused. We're going to get it. 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 I feel very confident. Is there anything you want to say to the verbally effective audience? Well, I'd love to have your vote. Uh, follow us on all of the social media platforms. You can hear and see more. It's young at Young for Memphis. Uh, you can go to the website, youngformemphis.com, sign up to volunteer. We're going to be knocking on doors. I need your help. And tell, uh, tell people about us. Uh, subscribe to the Verbally Effective podcast yes, please, please. and send this link uh, to your friends and colleagues that are interested in the mayor's race. Well, Paul Young, you are indeed verbally effective for the part two. Part two. <laughs> and I wish you nothing but the best on this phrase. Anything you need from me, I got you. No, thank okay? you so much. I I'm appreciate sure we'll be it. talking again prior to the vote in October. Absolutely. And I wish you the best. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we have Paul Young in the building. He is running for mayor of Memphis. I think he's going to be our next Memphis mayor. Yeah, speak it. We, uh, I really that's feel like happen. that. That's, that's what's, what's in my gut happen. right now. <laughs> that's what's in my gut right now. And make sure you follow all his socials and definitely tune into his campaign. He has a lot going on. A lot can change between now and October. So I need you to get on board with Paul Young. Join the team early. Join the team early. Hey, guys, your double E, Ina Esco, signing off right here on Verbally Effective. Before I go, please subscribe to the podcast, as Paul mentioned, on all streaming platforms and at Ina Esco YouTube channel as well. Thanks for tuning in and have Happy New Year.